And now, this is the DDT Wrestling Podcast with DC Matthews and Doc Manson. Doc Manson. At Doc Manson. That's me, DC Matthews, at the DC Matthews. If there were such a thing as Halloween cards, and I know that there probably are Halloween cards. There are. But if Halloween cards were as popular as Christmas cards, the picture that I received of Manson Manor, a lit would be a million dollar seller. That is a thing of beauty. I don't know if it was posted in the discord. I don't know if it should be posted to the Patreon, but people need to see a, they need to see your sprawling estate, but I also think they need to just see that was, that was an impressive picture. I got to get my phone and pull it up again so I can fully appreciate it. Well, I thank you so much, DC Matthews. Uh, You know, after all these years, the way to my heart is through praise. So just being lambasted with praise the moment the show begins is a surefire way to put me into a great mood. That is for sure. That is for sure. But yeah, I'm looking at, again, the beautiful house of Manson Manor. Uh, There are eight... Windows, you have the front door, you have the beautiful, I don't know what you call that. What is the, what, is there a special title for the window above your front door, like where the landing is? I don't know. You can look down it's, on the little not, people. It's not a bay window. No. So, uh, and again, and it's, the, the foyer has a, a ceiling that, that is twice, it is the full height of the house. So the, the, the second floor does not go up to that window. I can't easily look out it. Um, from the landing, there's actually open space there. So, um, but, but yeah, I don't know what that's called, I guess. But there are four, you know, four windows to the left and four to the right of each door, two on the first floor and two on the second. Each one has a separately shaped cardboard cutout. Uh, I see a haunted house, a tree with a bird and a gravestone, there's a you know creature poking in from up above. There are bats. And each one is lit with a different colored light. So yeah. there are eight different cardboard cutouts with eight different lights. And then when you also see the kind of beginning of dusk in the, you know, there's the there's like a slightly bluish tint to the sky, but it's also getting dark, the shadows of the trees. This this is a professional style picture. So whoever took this picture, I assume you or perhaps the missus, again, deserves a whole lot of praise. Well, thank you. I did take this picture. You just know all the things to say this evening. Well, I, I did feel a little jealous listening to the three-hour spooktacular. Uh, friend of the show, GQ, um, was also heaping the praise upon you. And I wanted to, I have to fight for my place. So well, in fairness, all he sent was a fire emoji. I'm not sure if that's heaping praise. I basically what I'm saying is I could have done with more praise. No, I'm saying GQ. on the show itself, on the spooktacular, oh. he Did was he? very effusive. I know you forgot everything you talked about. As yeah, soon absolutely. As it was over. Yes. But yes, he was very effusive in his praise. OK, great. Well, I'm glad to be. Re- I'm glad that you can remember that. 
I just finished it, you know, yesterday. So yeah. So my 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 project this year was the lighting. In the past, I would have like individual LEDs behind each of the monsters, mm-hmm. and they would sort of have an ambient glow behind them. Uh, but this year, I decided to go with some different. LED flood lamps, and I was able to put one basically at each window and dial in different colors. And the picture doesn't do exact justice. Um, the pinks on the upper and lower floor are definitely more distinct colors when you see them in person, and the uh, they're definitely distinct in the photo. But the uh, the orange on the bottom level and the yellow on the upper level are more defined as well. So um, definitely. Definitely really cool that I can actually dial in all these separate pigments and colors and get each window to kind of be its own thing. And I was I was very pleased with how this turned out because I didn't have to go around and wire up multiple 9-volt batteries onto each of these window monsters like I normally did. Basically, uh, these, these flood lamps I bought um, hook into my phone, and all I had to do was tap a button, basically. Turn all on, turn all off. Like, it was very... Very convenient, and I, I like the way that they came out. I do miss some of the ambiance. Like, again, I had some, like, um, lights behind the eyes and things to really draw attention, and that was not there this year. I did I did test that a little bit, but they were those lights were drowned out by these flood lamps and the very sharp, crisp colors that they provided. So, um, overall, I like it a lot. I do think... I want to now start maybe thinking about the outside of the house next year. I don't know what that means yet, whether that's a graveyard or, or, or what, but have you considered uh, digging a moat? I've considered it, but I don't know if my back will hold out for an entire moat. Okay. But if I got a moat, I'd get an alligator. That's what I, that's exactly what I was saying. Um, If you did a grave, Stone, would you do the uh, the sort of punny epitaphs and things? <sighs> I would want to, but I also don't know because that's overplayed. And certainly there's at least three or four other houses within a stone's throw of here which have similar things. Now, I would want to maybe try to get... Um, that pink sort of foam board insulation that they sell at Home Depot and maybe get myself a uh, an electric. I forget that they're four, but they're essentially these electric knives. They heat up and it makes it so cutting through foam is very easy. And so like I would be tempted to make my own tombstones, my own shapes, and mm-hmm. maybe even engrave them myself and all that sort of stuff. Uh, and I, I'm thinking like maybe like liquid nails on the outside surface. So it's weatherproof. And I don't know, though, because like then I don't know that painting is my strong suit. So like to actually get those to have the right tones of gray or to whether I'm going to emboss writing or just paint the writing. That might be a little beyond my skill set, but I, I don't know. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'll ju- I, maybe I'll just think about lights at first because even if I don't do a graveyard, I think the front yard could do. We've got a few trees, and I think if I were to get a couple more of these LED spots, sort of at the base of the trees, the trees themselves would sort of light up and look spooky. So I think there's other things to do in the interim. I, I don't know. I, I got to brainstorm. 
I got 12 months here. Would so. you consider it a cop-out to just get life-size either cardboard cutouts or actual like dummies of Freddy, Jason, Michael, and just have them standing in the yard? Is that a cop-out? Mm, I don't know if it's a cop-out, but I will say like when the thing that is readily available for that, yeah, of course there's cardboard cutouts, but those would never survive the weather. Um what you really are talking about probably are like animatronics, and those are so expensive, like the ones they saw at Spirit Hall. I don't even I don't even need them moving. Just literally like, you know, yeah, I just don't Jason know sort of like propped lower. up against the tree. I mean, I guess you could just build yourself uh a formature of some sort and put a hockey mask and a flannel shirt on it. So maybe. Like maybe you set up a card table up against like the side of the garage you don't use and you just have Freddie, Jason and Michael like playing poker. Nah, that's a little too that's a little too far gone for me. All right. Uh but it is beautiful. How was uh your Halloween? I have more to talk about with with the spooktacular, but but I want to make sure that that we talk about the holiday itself. How was your Halloween? How many trick-or-treaters? How was Lenny? How was his first Halloween? There's lots lots to digest here. Yeah, so Halloween was good. Um, we probably had somewhere around 100 trick-or-treaters. It could have been maybe 90, but somewhere in there. We've definitely got some candy left over, and I'm going to have to figure out what to do with that before I just eat it all. Mm-hmm. I already had a baby Ruth today, which baby Ruth was delicious, but I, I don't know how many more of those I should really eat. So I'll probably pawn those off to graduate students or something at work. We'll see. Um, so lots of lots of kids, lots of adults um, in our neighborhood. We also get um, and you, maybe you get this where you are because you're in a nice apartment complex. Um, you know, so they kind of cart the kids in because it's kind of a safe area cul-de-sac where we are but in addition to just carting them in like they literally cart them in we get two like remember that the tractors that we had at our haunted hayride that would pull are you getting wagons of trick-or-treaters being brought around yes are we yes. that have we reached that level of laziness that we're not even well, going to we're out in a rural area and we're not that far from farms like literally there was this girl a little bit older dressed up like uh Britney Spears, I guess. Mrs. Manson was talking to her a little bit because she had come off the wagon. And so she said, Is it, tell me about this wagon. The girl said, oh, it's my family's. We just, we cart everybody up. So it's like her whole, it's her immediate family, all her cousins, etc. And like they just drive from their local farmstead and they bring them over here, drop them all off. Um, they go to all the house. They actually walk to all the houses on okay. the cul-de-sac. Okay. And like the, the, the tractor parks in the cul-de-sac, they all come back. Okay. And then the tractor I, brings them. I elsewhere. feel better about that now. Yeah, they don't actually that drive it fun. to that every was it. house. I was like, if you had a a wagon that pulled up to your house, the kids all got out and then ran back on the wagon. I'd be like, that is lame. Yeah, no, but it's, it's cool because it's a big tractor. They're pulling a giant wagon. There's hay bales in there. This Britney Spears was telling us they got a hot cocoa station on that thing, and I pract- They had to practically uh, fight me off with the stick. I was, I was going to say, did there. you insist on getting a ride? Unfortunately, not. Did you? Um, did but, you go? We, but we actually had two of these tractors: one at the beginning of the night, and one towards the end. I remember having one in the past, but I don't remember having two before. Um, so we sort of got this second wave. The sudden, it was kind of later in the night. It was probably closer to eight o'clock. 
and it, it kind of been quiet for a while and then up rolls this wagon with this just, you know, cluster of this gaggle of children, which was it was fun. Um, the dogs did well. Oscar is um, getting barkier, I think, as he gets a little bit older. But I think that's partly because of Lenny. I, th- I don't know if he's protecting Lenny, but also sometimes Lenny get, got a little spooked last night being outside. He definitely barked at a child emerging from the darkness coming up to uh, get some candy. And this child was no more than six years old. So Lenny made somebody cry. So that was great. <laughs> um, and of course, when Lenny goes off, then Oscar goes off. So that became a little bit of an issue. But, you know, it was a long night. It was cold. We were outside. He was overtired. He was overstimulated. There were lots of people. I think overall, he did very, very well. And the thing I also have to remember is when Oscar had his first Halloween, he was closer to like 11 months old. Lenny is five months old. He's Mm. still very much a baby. So I do think there's something to this overstimulated thing. And certainly when we did come inside towards the end of the night, like he was just spent. He got on the couch and he was just splayed out like unconscious. Oscar was still on guard waiting for more people to come to the door. But um, overall, he did very well. He said hi to lots of children. He got lots of pets. He only really only barked and made that one kid cry. Um, So I think overall. I just love that it's the smallest, cutest dog in the world and it's making children cry. But mainly it was a small, cute kid who, you know. To him, it probably seems like a big dog. That's true. Maybe not a lot of dog exposure. Yeah. Uh, Mrs. Matthews just wants to confirm you were giving out full-size candy bars. Oh, yeah. Yep. And I'm sure that um, all the parents are cursing us for doing so, but I don't know, man. I feel like like those are the ones the parents take as the parent tax. Yeah, fair enough. I like to think so anyways. Let them be rewarded a little bit. But I, I just, I don't know. I have this thing where I was like, if I'm going to spend time, I'm going to put up these window monsters. I'm going to make these really cool lights and people are going to be coming by. And, you know, since I was out walking the dogs up and down the street, basically, it's better when they're kept on the move. Um, you know, Mrs. Manson was at the house. She mostly just sits on the front steps. She's got the you know, the speaker out there. She's got Halloween music playing. Kids come up and, you know, she was telling them, if you see a guy out there, Walking two little dachshunds, uh, you can compliment him because they were always telling her, oh, we love your windows. They're so great. And she's like, it's all my husband. You know, so you see him out there. So I would just get random people <clears throat> walking by me going, oh, I love your windows, man. And I was like, oh, thank you. So, you know, it was a nice night. Definitely got some praise, which, as we all know, I if, crave so deeply. If somebody offered to pay you to make them a set of cardboard cutouts, would you would you do it? I imagine so. Um, yeah, I guess so. The only problem is it, like some of the logistics maybe matter because they'd be difficult to ship somewhere, especially like in I'm, one. I'm piece. more talking about like I'm more talking about literally Joe down the road is like, hey, I'd love to do something like that for my windows, or would you not want to give it to a local? Probably not to a local. I got. I gotta. I gotta be. You know, I gotta have a little bit of territory here. Um, but if you wanted to set DC, I think we could come to an arrangement. Well, I'll tell you. Let me walk you through my Halloween night. Uh, we had some candy. We are, uh, as many of you know, I think we've said this year after year, we buy candy that we don't eat. 
Uh, that is what keeps us from eating it all before the people come. And by we, I mean me. Um, so we bought ring pops this year. Uh, and we had them out and we're sitting on the couch. It's like 530, maybe 545. And I hear kids outside of our, you know, our apartment. There's four doors for the four apartments in this section. Um, As you that, do. That I'll have a common entryway. And so we scramble to get the bags open and put them in the basket. And we open the door and there's six probably preteens. We dole out the ring pops. And then we sat there for another two and a half to three hours and no one showed up. And so by around 830, we were like, well, we no longer feel like sitting here. Let's put the candy outside and make our way to, you know, make our way to the bedroom. And um, when we woke up in the morning, the candy was there. Somebody had come and snagged some. Uh, but we only opened the door once, which is for us, I believe, the lowest turnout. I don't know if uh, maybe there's just less kids in this area. You know, we have a sprawling complex, so maybe the the kids are more stationed on a different section. I would be bringing the tractor here, yeah, because me too. there are, you know, a couple hundred apartments all. You could probably hit them all in an hour or two. You could just do this and probably make out pretty well. Maybe the turnout has been less in terms of like who's answering the door. Um, But yeah, it was a bit of a bust. I Uh, I read on social media several posts uh, along the lines of, man, I really didn't get any trick-or-treaters. It seems like there's way less trick-or-treaters now than there was 10 years ago. Um, And I think so. I don't think what you're observing is uncommon. I definitely seem again. I saw that sentiment echoed mm-hmm. uh, all over different places. So I do think, and and now getting back into the spooktacular, I'll remind you of what you talked about. I do think that the trunk or treat is. I think trunk or treat has ruined Halloween. I I won't say it has ruined the night itself. Sure, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. The town I work in, their trunk retreat was Friday. People asked me if I was going to go. No. Although there's a part of me that maybe will go one day. I don't want to decorate the whole idea of decorating. Did you hear me talking to GQ? Could I just show up at a trunk retreat? You're my in. You could absolutely Bring me. Come, you could absolutely come to a trunk retreat. And again, the in you have are those two dogs. Um, <laughs> I, you know, GQ and I. Uh, live in very different places. He's window washing all the time. I imagine depending on where, what town, if you lived in a more like urban town, um, there might be more security. I cannot imagine that there was any security. It's not that I'm worried about security. I just don't want people looking at me like I'm a, like I got two heads. You know what I mean? I think people, 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 people might try to figure out, okay, which kid are you attached to? But if you've got two cute pups, if you're doing all of that stuff, you might have, again, depending on if you went to a small town one, you might have somebody go and say, oh, you know, we've never seen you before. Um, I'm, you know, Carrie. I'm the president of the PTA. You know, nice to meet you. You may have to do some. Hello, my name's Doc. Yeah, I am a professor 
And, yeah, and I like, just love Halloween. I, I think, honestly. I wanted to spread the cheer. I think you would be fine. You are a very unassuming, like, you, you are a friendly person. Mrs. Manson's a friendly person. Again, you've got the pups. But if, if I just, do it by myself, then am I Jeffrey Dahmer? I'd leave the trench coat at home. <laughs> uh, All right. I, I think you would be fine. Um, but I do think that sort of trunk or treat on, like, say, the Friday before Halloween. Uh, it takes all the wind out of the sails of actually going house to house. That's more difficult. I would say I asked, I polled my students this morning. I would say 80% said they went trick or treating. I said, I then I said, how many, a little or a lot. And my kids are young enough that they're not exactly sure what the difference is. But I don't know that a lot of them did a huge amount of trick-or-treating. I think, you know, maybe they went, hit the neighbors, hit their street. There are a couple roads in the town I work in that are, you know, the kind of cul-de-sacs. If they had tractors, they would be heading that way. Mm -hmm. But I do wonder, you know, apparently there are some pushes in different towns and areas to just make the unofficial trick-or-treat night the last Friday of October. I know that would you won't you would disapprove of that. It has to be the 31st. Gosh, darn Sam, it. Sam Hain or however That's you pronounce right. that. Um but yeah, it was a bit of a bit of a bust here. Um I never really got I got into the Halloween spirit listening to your show. It was very good, a very entertaining uh three hours. Um I enjoyed the pumpkin taste test quite a bit. Uh, I it was a little overlong, I'll admit. No, I we broke it up with commercials, and I, I think it was all right. Yeah, that was unnecessary. But um, I, the commercials were unnecessary. They were fun. We had fun. The the clearly with the show in general, but especially with the spooktacular, the joy and passion you have for the the holiday and for the event is good. It makes me remember. Those days when the DDT awards were given that <laughs> that sort of treatment. hey, in fairness, though, I will say uh, I do very little prep for the spectacular. Uh, GQ is the one who came. The with amount two giant uh, bagfuls of pumpkin products. He's the one who's who comes with ideas for segments, and he's the one who said, "I've got this idea, Doc. We're going trick or treating." Like, just just, just come, just go with me on this. I know he claims that he doesn't do a ton of editing, but the amount of sound effects and then the music, and that had to have been six or seven hours at least of work. I think he does a lot of work, absolutely. I appreciate it. And again, maybe he doesn't consider it work. I don't consider the work we do for this show work. Granted, I don't do much, but... You know, that sort of thing is not necessarily work, but it's just there was a lot of effort that went in. So I want to make sure that not only am I giving Doc Manson his due amount of praise, but GQ deserves quite a lot of praise himself because that was a beautifully, dare I say, almost nigh professional editing job to put that show together. I would like to know, though, how was the stomach ache? between the pumpkin taste test and the Oreo taste test of so many years ago? Um, the Oreo taste test made a longer lasting 
somewhat permanent impression upon me. Sure. So that definitely takes the cake. Uh, I still bought myself a bag of the teeny tiny um, pumpkin spice pretzels mm -hmm. from uh, Trader Joe's post that show sure. and enjoyed them this season. So. Well, you, you, well, also, you had a greater variety of items. Like when you're tasting Oreos, you're not it's all pretty much cream and cookie. You had JoJo's, you had pretzels, you had the pyroline things that GQ couldn't forget the name or remember the name of. You had pumpkin flavored bourbon, which I don't think that was given the proper amount of talk. You know, it was, probably should have come back up during the tasting. Was that better or worse than a lot of the items that you had? I, it was very good. Um, it was very much a flavored bourbon, which is to say it was very sweet practically a liqueur. Um, I enjoyed it. I got extremely, uh, let's just say, drunk off of it during the first half of the spooktacular. And you probably noted me losing some inhibition throughout the uh, spooky song segment, which I would blame on the imbibement of that bourbon, uh, certainly. Uh, but yes, it was quite tasty. Uh, as far as flavored bourbons go, it was, it was quite good. We definitely should have talked about it during the tasting. I don't know why we didn't. Probably because I was done drinking by that point. He might have still been going, but yeah, he definitely was because he cleared his palate with it, if I recall. But well, and but yeah. you also it was more of a food sort of thing. Yeah, but even still, yeah, no, that was good. Uh, he had that was actually something he had had a, a previous year, and he had gone out looking for it, and he had told me about it actually ahead of time, and was like, "Oh yeah, you got to try this this year," and it was quite good. I would drink that again for sure. The only other thing that that sticks in my memory and I will check my notes and by notes, I mean the texts I send you both as I'm listening. This is your, this is your reliable system. For I did get a shout out. The music was good. I honestly, usually I'm not a Halloween music person. So that is the segment that I'm not paying the most attention to. Um, but the, the more modern song that you picked, that was a bop. I was listening. Yeah. To Muse. That was pretty good. Uh, da, 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 da. Okay. I know you also love the Grimace and his singing rendition. I scare myself. Sometimes I scare myself. Or it's I so like good. To scare myself. It's um, so good. Here's the, the other thing I wanted to talk about. You made a comment. You were getting into talking about the exorcist believer and nothing brings me more joy than listening to you absolutely trash a movie while GQ weekly tries to keep the positive. <laughs> the cinematography coming. was good. Yeah. I just start laughing. There was some great, there was some <laughs> great such a jerk. character work. Well, they, but, but I think GQ, in that, thank you for putting up with me. I, in, I am, uh, I'm insufferable. Sometimes. In that instance though, he also thinks it's a bad movie. So True. It's, not, it's not like it was a movie that he actually really likes. And you're oh, we got to do that in the future. Yeah, I, that I think would be <laughs> kill like, part of his soul. <laughs> well, and you could you could try to flip it. You could pick a movie that you really like that he does not, and he could trash it. Um, but you said something in regards to the to the type of exorcist possession movies that they didn't do anything new. They didn't. Do, so my question to you, as someone who I think does if if he wished, have a future as a horror screenwriter, what would be something new you could do in the sort of possession exorcism realm? Uh, so the answer is nothing. Um, honestly, 
There's been so many countless versions of these stories where people get possessed by something and it keeps going that like they're I, I don't know. This is why I'm not a filmmaker. Right. But like even with like slasher films, what can you do that's really new in a slasher film? Ah, I couldn't tell you pretty much nothing. But when it's put together well, when you've got a script that works and characters that make sense and you've got plotting that just, you know, flows and you've got a tempo, a pace to the film that just, you know, goes and takes you along for the ride. You can forgive a lot of stuff. You know what I mean? And when you don't have any of that, it becomes problematic, I think. Um, And more so to that comment, like, while I don't expect them to do anything new, I think I kind of got into this a bit during our discussion. I would like them to at least, um, I would like the filmmakers to reflect on what was unique about The Exorcist. Why is it that after all of these years, we still remember The Exorcist? Nobody remembers Exorcist 2, The Heretic. More people these days remember Exorcist 3, Legion, because it's become popular online. But in the popular mainstream, nobody remembers that movie. Nobody even remembers the the, the fourth ones, because there was two Exorcist 4s, if you recall. They made one. It got shelved. They let Rennie Harlan remake it. It bombed at the box office. And then they, re- then they actually released the original director's film as well. The, and that also bombed. Like, like, what is it about The Exorcist? That, what is the essence of that film that has stayed with people? And then actually do something in your new movie, your story, that builds or at least continues spiritually, maybe, the message or the themes of that original film. Now, I admit that's difficult for The Exorcist in 2023. I say this on the show. Nobody wants to watch a movie about old white Catholic guys beating the devil. Like, you know what I mean? And and more so, the real story of the original Exorcist is about a priest that is losing his faith who is challenged by the devil or a demon. And what is he going to overcome or not? And spoiler alert, he don't. You know what I mean? (laughs) But like, that's a very grounded character-based story. All these mindless exorcism films that end up on streaming services are just kid gets possessed because that's the thing. And then they're doing crazy stuff with special effects and they're arching their back and they're screaming and yelling and flailing around. And oh look, there's crosses and pentagrams and their skin and whatever. And like the visuals are part of what makes the visual aesthetic of an exorcism film but like that's not why the exorcist is fondly remembered if you think that's all the exorcist is pea soup and her head spinning around you've missed the point okay that hand is telling me to stop I'm itching my palm. Oh, I thought you were like, hold on, I've got something to say. No, Um, sorry. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, 
that's it. Like, I would want you to actually care. I know it's asking a lot as a, as a filmmaker making a sequel to one of the most famous movies of all time. I would want you to care about the essence of that original film and to attempt to make something that in some way not just emulates it, but properly expands on it and provides with a worthwhile sequel that is following some sort of through line. And I guess you could argue they tried to do that by including legacy characters, but that was just a cash grab. Well, and that's it. And so that's the question then. So how much of this is, you know, you were talking about the back arching and all of that. So how much of this is we want a really good trailer that gets people in and then we want, you know, the, I think you said Ellen Burstyn before she gets her eyes gouged out sort of thing. Spoilers. Sorry. Um, you know, and then we want the, that sort of like movies in general to me. And I don't go see a lot of them to be honest. And some of them are mostly superhero movies or whatever, but fans, a good trailer, a multiple trailers and fan service. All of the Star Wars shows, a lot of the even the Marvel shows and all of that, there's a lot of fan service. And fan service can be great up to a point, but when you're talking about pushing the genre forward, with the exception of maybe you talking about It Follows, is there a horror movie that you've seen in the last, especially a big one that had like a theatrical release? That is pushing the genre forward. Is that like the Jordan Peele stuff? Would you say maybe that? To some extent. I don't know if it's really pushing the genre forward more, but more so it is taking the genre back to its roots. There's a lot of societal commentary in those films, um, which is certainly one valid way to take horror. Um, but yeah, like, I don't know. I've I've talked about terrifier on this show before and i recently sat down and watched terrifier 2 now were you with <laughs> were you with um gq's kids no and so fortunately he, he refused um probably for good reason now i don't think those movies are great if anything like i like those films maybe they're three stars maybe maybe i'd be tempted to go four stars but those are, again, those are smaller films. They're independently made. But they did get, at least the second one, got a theatrical release. So it sort of fits the criteria you're talking about. And really what they are is they're classic slasher films amped up for what they perceive a modern, desensitized audience wants to see. Right? So those films are very graphic. They're very gory. There are extended sort of kill sequences. They're not really torture sequences, but they go on for so long that they're practically torture. Is that the upside down one? In the first one, yes. That's the clown. Yeah. Got it. And so there's a, there's a there's an infamous scene in the second film, the bedroom scene, um, where basically he comes across this college-age woman in her bedroom, and he this is gonna be a little bit of a graphic description, but he he takes basically a scalpel, he swipes her face, you literally see across her eye like the face in like two you know what i mean but she's still alive he like rips off one of her arms at the elbow joint and like it's shown on camera when it's being ripped off but like this but the thing is like it's not 
It's not filmed like a hostile movie. Like ostensibly what's happening is torture. It's very graphic, right? But it's filmed where it's celebrating practical effects. It's not played for, for squeamishness, really. It's played for, it's almost cartoony in how over the top it is, right? Now, again, I think a, a, a typical audience would say, it's, that's disgusting, oh my God, I can't watch that. But to a real, to like a, a modern horror fan who's been desensitized to all sorts of stuff, I think, again, it becomes more a celebration of the art form of practical effects and things like that, showing things on camera that you never see anymore. Um, but like, I do also think it becomes too much. Like the scene goes on. Like he he then takes something and like cuts her other hand that still exists in half. So like that's non-functional. And then like he runs out of the room. She's still alive. This just like, you know, mutilated person. Her phone starts ringing. She's literally crawling across the floor trying to get to her phone just slowly. He runs back into the room with a gallon of bleach and salt and just pours it on her, all her open wounds, just rubbing it in, making all sorts of chemical burns. And like, okay, so again, this is pushing slasher movies forward, not in a way that I think is good, but like in a way that I understand because sequels always for since the beginning of time have been about being bigger, better, bolder, more outrageous than the thing that came before it. And now in 2023, what do you do other than go completely over the top with this sort of thing? But like, so like I get it, but it's also not what I'm watching these movies for personally. Um, I'm not a gore hound like some niche horror fans are. I appreciate practical effects. I do. But like this is not... This is not what I'm looking for. Sure. Um, So like that, but I can at least acknowledge that it is trying to push the limits of what you can put on the screen like horror movies back in the 70s did. They're tamed by today's standards, but a lot of the plots of those films, some of the things that happened in those films for the time, completely unwatchable. Video nasties, getting banned in multiple countries, right? You're... this is trying to do that, but with modern sensibilities. Um, so, like, that's one route you can go with it. Um, for example, since you asked the question. Um, and again, those movies are interesting to me, not just to go off on a tangent here. Those Terrifier movies. Um, again, I'm the, the kill stuff is too over the top. Although I don't mind it because I can, I can enjoy the, the practical effects, certainly. Um, but the thing is those movies stick in my mind because art, the clown is really, really a great character. Um, just from his visuals, the sort of demonic black and white mime clown thing to David, um, Howard Thorne or David Howard Thornton. I forget what the actor's name is, but the guy who plays art, the clown is amazing at it. I, I feel like he is as good at playing this character as Robert England was as playing Freddy Krueger. And it's made all the more amazing to me when you consider that art as this mime clown thing does not talk. He has no dialogue. So he's one of these silent slasher movie villains, but he's not this stoic, silent Michael Myers, faceless, expressionless Jason Voorhees. He's, 
he's in the scene doing mime stuff. He winks at people. He smiles. He fake laughs. He He's doing the mime shtick, and he does it so incredibly well. He has this incredible presence where even not being really a fan of the movies themselves, I do think Art the Clown is probably the best like slasher iconic villain created in the last 10 years. I actually think he's classic and he has the potential to really go down in history as like a modern slasher, which really we haven't had a good one of those since like Ghostface and Scream. And I don't even know if I really count that one since Ghostface is a different, you know, killer, different character in every single film. It's not even like it's a single entity. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So like I I love that character, even though I don't really love the movies that he's in. Um, it's enough that I will definitely see Terrifier 3, um, which has been announced. Uh, Terrifier 2 actually is back in the theaters for one day only tonight. Um, and after that um, showing, they are showing a trailer for Terrifier 3. Um, and I hope that gets online soon. I have heard that Terrifier 3 is actually going to be the first to have taken place on Halloween. Um, but the third one I hear is taking place on Christmas. So it's going to be a Christmas horror movie, which I always enjoy as well. So I don't know. Like, I don't want to see the violence. I know it's going to be there. But like, oh, I do want to see what Art the Clown does next because that character is, to me, just really, really well realized. Um in a way that you don't really get to see. And the other thing I like about those films, sorry, so many movies these days get made by these nameless, faceless filmmakers. And like, even when there's going to be sequels, there's no continuity, right? Like you saw this with the the worst example, I think is the latest Star Wars trilogy from Disney, right? They knew they were making a trilogy, but they didn't plot out the trilogy before they started. They let J.J. Abrams make a movie. They let Ryan Johnson make a movie. They took the third one away from Ryan Johnson and gave it back to J.J. Abrams, and he had to retcon or replace a bunch of stuff that Ryan Johnson did because there was no storyline in mind when they actually started this trilogy, which is fucking insane. You're a giant corporation like Disney spending all that money, and you had no plan? What is wrong with you? I appreciate the idea. And Marvel has done this too. And I know they're both owned essentially by the same company. Let's give creative directors a project in our sphere and let them play with it. But you can't do that with a, like you can do that if there's a multiverse and, and Ryan Johnson's movie doesn't have to have anything to do with, you know, with JJ Abrams movie. But like you said, this is the trilogy. This is movies seven through nine. You're coming off of a original trilogy that is beloved and then a new trilogy that was not. Although, you know, kudos to Hayden Christensen for getting some love these days. Um, but yeah, the, 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 the concept of we don't have a plan. We'll figure it out as we go is. Ridiculous. And that's the thing that I love about so far, at least the terrifier terrifier. Damien Leone, the writer-director, made the first one, made the second one. He's making the third one. Like, there's actual continuity. It's building towards something. I don't know that he knew he was going to have sequels. There's definitely new stuff introduced in the second one that clearly is setting up a third one. But, like, 
it's the, the creative team is so tight such that it feels like this was all intentional and it's actually building towards something in a way that you do not usually get in your Friday the 13th with your random writers, random directors. I just pump another one out. A bunch of kids go to a camp, they get killed. Who cares why? You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. that alone is so refreshing and I'd love to see it. Like Bloomhouse, man, they have perfected the art of funding a film at very relatively low levels, right? They started off by making a bunch of movies for $5 million. Something like Five Nights at Freddy's, I think they gave them $15 million to make that movie. Like, but they know now that they, if they give a movie $5 million, it's going to bring in $30 million. It's going to bring in $40, $50 million. Like, there's a guaranteed profit in horror movies. There always has been. But for some reason, movie companies have cyclically sort of gone away from the genre and then come back. But right now, that's what Bloomhouse needs to do. They need to just find somebody. They need to give them $5 million, make a movie, but let them actually plan out the next five, six sequels. Build a franchise and let this one person make actually five or six movies for $5 million a beat. Let them actually have, again, half a dozen movies pursuing a single story all for very little money that you're guaranteed to make a profit on on the other end of it. You're going to make some really good continuity in movies from that. Um, well, I hope. They tried to do that with Halloween and David Gordon Green, but I don't think it worked out in that case. Well, no, but you want a new franchise. Ideally, yes. Because, so, again, that's kind of where this all originally started from. You know, I would love somebody to just reboot Friday the 13th. They did that once. Sure. It was terrible with Platinum Dooms. But get a guy in there to make a new trilogy of Friday the 13th movies. They don't need more than $5 million a pop. And just let them actually plot something out for multiple films. Like, or it could be a new thing too, but I'd love to see some of those old franchises come back also. They're, they've been dead and dormant for so long. Let's resurrect them. Just like just like Jason Voorhees was resurrected in Friday the 13th Part 6, Jason Lives. Let's well, or- put a stake through his heart and have lightning come down and resurrect him like Frankenstein's monster. Let's do it. Or... Or Jason X. Well, okay, I'm listening. Versus, versus Predator. It sounded more interesting once I actually started thinking about it. I, I think there would be, even if they did like shorts or something, like I think you could, there is, there is, there is a, an avenue somewhere to do some sort of, it's almost like celebrity deathmatch. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, but to do something like that. I, you know, I was listening to you, and again, you are the person I like to hear talk about movies of all types because you are passionate, you are knowledgeable, you are eloquent. More, more praise I heap upon me, good my, sir. My chest is going to swell and possibly burst. But, but it's again, you want the, we want these genres to go forward. The same thing with with again with superhero movies. We want them to go forward. We want them to do something new The you know, say what I, you I, will. I, I will say, I don't know that I need movies to do new things. They just need to do them in ways that are their own and which are interesting. Like I, I have watched countless slasher films that are all essentially the same, but some of them are favorites and some of them are not. And it's not necessarily because any of them did something new, it was just a well put together film. So there is a movie on Netflix or 
yeah, I think it's a movie. I don't know the name of it. I haven't watched it, but my wife watched it. And it is essentially one of the first that I have seen. And, and Markiplier has also done this. I would love to see a horror movie choose your own adventure style. Those exist like on consoles. Like sure. there was a company that was making games like the quarry that were essentially sort of interactive horror movies. Yeah. Um, quick time. But I think, I, I think buttons. that would be really interesting. If, if you are, you're either playing yourself or you're, you are making decisions for the character. Cause that's what happens in this movie. There's a, there's a female character who has multiple love interests and depending on how you play, and the choices you make, you wind up maybe ending up with one of them, or at least playing out the story of what happens if you go with the, you know, exotic new guy. What happens if you go with the high school love interest? What I think that would be really interesting in the sense of a horror movie to take again somebody who is really creative and give them the ability to not necessarily tell one story. Again, you probably are heading towards a singular ending but giving people a lot of ways to get there, I think could be really interesting. I agree. Potentially. I think that type of film is extremely difficult to make, but in the right hands, why not? Is Al the Al the clown? Is that his name? Art. Art the clown. Is he a person or is he an entity? Yes. Okay. Um, In the first film, he is a person. And spoilers, he dies at the end of the first film. He is resurrected by an evil entity, which on, which is not named in the film, but is called the little pale girl in the credits. It's basically this eight-year-old girl who is more or less in the art, the clown makeup also. She's not really there, but he can see her. And she's some sort of demon that has brought him back to life. So in the second one, he is more an entity than a person. So in the third one, do you think he actually fights Santa Claus, the entity? I don't think so. Um, But he did essentially fight an angel at the end of the second one. Because I'm pretty sure the protagonist died and was also resurrected and so was also some sort of entity during the final showdown of the second film. And that's what I'm talking about. Get a filmmaker, let him actually build some sort of lore and mythos and do something interesting. I don't know where it's going. I've got some ideas where the third one might be going, but that's great. Let me not know. Let's see what the filmmaker comes up with. That's the joy of watching movies. Would you want them to sort of reboot multiple horror franchises all existing in the same common universe? Since Freddy versus Jason turned out all right, absolutely. I would like to see it. Do a, do a multiverse, yes. Because you could get Freddy versus Jason, but then you could also get a an Avengers style. Well, what happens if Freddie and Jason and Michael Myers are all working towards a common goal? Sure. I don't know what that would be. That, and that was mostly what um, Freddie versus Jason was. It was Freddie manipulating Jason into doing his bidding mm. until 
Jason figured out what was going on, and then the climax they battled. So got it. Yeah. Because you could have Freddy, you could have Jason, Michael Myers, you could have King Kong. Yeah, I mean, he's not that much larger than any of those characters, so that could work in a single film. Take well, that I, GQ. <laughs> I didn't really anticipate talking about Halloween and horror movies for almost an hour. Me neither. But at the, but at the same time, that was kind of... I, I will say, sort of just expanding off what we were saying, just very briefly, because I know you love bringing up It Follows. I know you haven't seen it, but perhaps we left no. an impression with you uh, about that your, your Your impression of it. Yeah. The fact that you were so moved might be the wrong word, but so impressed and imprinted left it like I can't remember another film. You've talked about hundreds of horror movies over the years. A lot of times I zone out like I my eyes fog up and I just let you talk about your horror movie. That and the terrifier are are the two that I think you have really talked about fully and eloquently. So those are the ones that stick with me. Um, the reason why I bring it up here at the end, speaking of letting filmmakers make movies, David Robert Mitchell, who is the um, writer and director of It Follows, last week announced that he has come to a deal and he is will be writing and directing They Follow. Oh. Here it is, almost a decade later, and he's going to be able to make a sequel to It Follows. And I am looking forward to whatever it is he comes up with. Excellent. Yeah. I am looking forward to avoiding wrestling talk altogether, because yeah. honestly, couldn't tell you anything that happened this week of any import. Uh and jumping right to our emails, podcast at ddtwrestling.com. Uh, the first one comes from Danielle. November greetings. Hello. Now that I've had lunch and can relax a little bit before completing tasks, how was y'all's Halloween? I refer you to the first 20 minutes of this episode, my dear. Lucas and I went on an evening walk as the sun was setting, watching the local kids go around screaming for candy. We found a Kit Kat unopened on the ground, but decided to leave it for whoever else was going to take that treat. Well, it was also a couple of inches too close to a dog poo pile in between a nice driveway. And ew, no. <laughs> yeah, you are. You are clearly a writer there, Miss Danielle. Oh, I knew she was going to talk about Nano Remo. The cats had to endure a waterless shampoo bath to remove any dandruff allergens and any shedding from the seasonal changes. I always feed treats to them afterwards as a way to thank them for letting me do something they'd rather not experience every three months. The kitten understands the process. Jupiter, on the other hand, still fights me, even though he's been through this occasionally since 2018. Doc mocked Nano Remo a couple of weeks ago, which made Lucas and I chuckle. Whoa, 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 wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I remember mentioning it. Did I mock it? I don't remember. I I also don't remember. In fairness, I was, uh, Danielle, we will need evidence. Please provide what what was said. We Did don't I need like, the audio clip. It? I feel like I wouldn't have mocked it. I think it's an admirable thing. I don't know. Anyways, which, good. 
which made Lucas and I chuckle because of November holidays, challenges, and such. Yes, I am participating this year, but more for the writing habit building over trying to cram 50,000 words in a month. I've been on Discord more than usual because I found a wonderful community to write with and motivate. Sometimes, Lucas and I will listen to DDT podcasts together while walking or this past week, putting away fresh, clean clothes. The, the, the couple that does laundry together stays together. So when we heard a couple of weeks ago the mention of ad blockers, that's when YouTube and Spotify both blocked the ad blocker we were using, and we are now switching to uBlock Origin. Send good vibes to my smart car. The battery died, and we are on the hunt for getting uh. the battery replaced as soon as electricity and rent is paid. Fun fact, the battery on these tiny cars are located underneath where the glove box would be on the passenger side. Oh, neat. It's actually easy to remove, unlike the transmission, or updating those wires. I would pick a difficult-to-repair car five years ago, but hey, it's paid off now. There you go. Questions. Soups. A couple of weeks ago, during the Top 5 Soups discussion in DDT chat, it was brought to my attention that DC has never had broccoli and cheese soup. You are correct. Doc, have you had broccoli and cheese soup? No. It's, it's my go-to soup at Panera in a bread bowl because I really, really like bread. Me too. So my body disagrees with that now. Me too. <laughs> Any meal that's primarily bread is not going to end well for me. But, oh, bread is so good. Mm-hmm. I've never had broccoli and cheese soup. I've had broccoli with like a cheese sauce on it, which I'm imagining is more or less what the soup is. But no, never properly had the soup. I would try it, though. I like broccoli. I like cheese. I like soup. Moving. <laughs> DC, you and your wife have stayed in the same space for several years now. Lucas and I have debated on staying for another year come January or moving to a rental house or starting the buying process of a condo. What advice do you have for a potential home buyer and or advice for staying put for another year? We have a one bedroom and been wanting a larger space, but have been hesitant to move. That's all I have for today. Cheers, Danielle. Well, Doc is the homeowner. So he can go into more detail than the act of the actual home buying process. I have, we have looked at homes. We have done many, 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 many home visits and all of that type of stuff. Um, in the end, we decided that between uh, the financial cost, uh, we live in an apartment that is fairly rent controlled. The rent has only gone up about 300 to 400 dollars in the almost two decades we've lived here now um which is quite unheard of usually it goes up maybe 25 to 50 dollars a year depending on uh the year um so we are very fortunate if we moved out of this apartment and moved back into the apartment next door that is the exact same thing we would be paying an extra 300 dollars a month so financially, it behooves us to stay. And I understand the whole equity argument and things like that. Um, but, you know, we have not found the, the chance. I would imagine that perhaps in the next 12 to 18 months, that may change. Um, but, you know, if you have a one bedroom, yes. <laughs> I don't know, how, like, size wise, how big your apartment is. Um, but I would 
I would advise going for something bigger to give you more space. Doc, this this, this might be a controversial statement, but I think no matter how much you like somebody, <laughs> you need to be able to put a door between the two of you sometimes. Yes. Uh, and ideally, you should each be able to have a space yes. that to some extent is yours. Not to say it's not shared ultimately, but yes. to an extent, this space is yours. We have a bedroom for us. We have the room I used to podcast in that is now a craft room. We have the room that was supposed to be a dining room and never wound up being. That is where I'm currently sitting. So there are, I would say you need, I'm not, I would say you need twice as many rooms as you have people. So if there are two of you, you need at least four rooms. I'm not counting a bathroom and I'm not counting a kitchen. You need at least four other rooms. That's a lot. Um, right? Because that's like know, two bedrooms. A living room a and living a dining room, room area. And a dining and, room. And technically, okay. you know, we haven't. That's kind of, kind of a enough. lot, though. It is. But. I can see you know, three. You, you could probably go with three. But like an eat in kitchen, air, like this thing, yeah. yeah. Well, and again, this is the you know, there's no wall separating the kitchen and the area I'm sitting in right now. This is a, ostensibly one room, yeah. So, yeah, that's true. um, but yeah, I would, you know, uh, it depends on where you are financially, where you are relationship wise, and what your, what your end goals are. If you want space and the rental is. The, you know, renting a house is better for that. Then maybe that's where you go for now and revisit in a year and see where you're at. Yeah. But, I mean, I will say when Mrs. Manson first moved back to the state, we lived together in a, um, I don't know. It was probably like 600 square feet apartment. Like it yeah. was a room that had a tiny, like half kitchen basically in it. And then there was a bedroom. Like that was it, um, and we made we was fine for the year, um, but at the end of that, we were ready for something larger. Sure, for sure. But yeah, everything yeah. you said is absolutely true. A lot of things have to be taken into account uh, when making that decision. Yeah. Uh, please let us know what Doc said to mock National Novel Writers Month. I remember I also I brought up the other November challenge, so maybe that. But like. I, f- I feel like that was just like an aside joke, not not mocking the nobility that comes with writing a novel inside of a month. I think that's admirable. Are you going to shave this month? Oh, um, yes, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Nate chimes in with the email. Good afternoon, Easy and Doc. I'm kind of out of wrestling like you guys, but I keep up with it and watch the plows. It got me thinking, what would happen to get you to consider tuning into Raw or NXT, etc.? For me, KO winning the WWE title or Pentagon Jr. winning the AEW title. Crown Jewel is this Saturday, and only match I'm even a little excited for is Logan versus Ray. He'll be a part-time champion like Roman, like Roman, but at least he'll lose the title by or at Mania. What did you guys do for Halloween? I direct you to the first 20 minutes of this episode, my dear. Cool. I assume worked and watched something spooky. At least that was me. I watched one of my favorites, Don't Breathe. Oh, that is a good one. Have a good night, you two. Cheers, your bestie, Nate, sent from my iPhone. Uh, I got to tell you. Uh, okay, let me. Uh, actually, no, I can answer this. 
Um, if Raw or SmackDown or even AEW, when they get a streaming service, like if Raw was on Peacock live, I would have tuned in to watch Alpha Academy versus the Creed Brothers on Monday, um, or at least gone back the next day and watched it. The fact that we have to wait six weeks, no. Yeah. That's um, actually probably one of the largest things that helped me get out of it was not having like an yeah. immediate convenient way to watch the live product. Yeah. And I know you can watch it afterwards, whatever. But to me, if it's not live, it's lost most of the luster. Yeah. Like I'll happily watch some matches that are interesting in a PLE. I won't be watching crown jewel. Um, though I will say, Nate, I think you'll be happy to hear this. I am all for Logan Paul beating Rey Mysterio to win the U S title. That is, he's been like, I don't like him, but that is a mid card belt. He's beating a legend who is at the last 10% of his career. That ha I have no problem with that. Him beating Seth Rollins for the world title. No, but him winning the U S title, not being around a while, maybe losing it to ricochet or somebody at mania. No problem. It's, sounds good. Do what you want. So I would um, probably come back and watch the WWE. If they had a big return, like, like CM Punk or somebody really good and important that would, would you though, if he shows up at survivor series to wrestle Roman reigns, would you actually watch? No, no, no you wouldn't. Not at this point. No, no. At this point, they would need to what? Uh, WWE, I don't, I don't think I'm ever really going to watch again. AEW. Uh, like if Kevin, if Kevin Owens' contract ran out and Kevin Steen went to AEW, would that? I would probably watch that. Tune in? Probably, yes. Okay, that sort of thing. Yeah. All right, Glenn an email about nothing. Sorry, guys. I've lost all inspiration this week. So this is just an email <laughs> to say I've sent an email this week. With so much bad weather about both sides of the Atlantic, I hope everyone stays safe and warm. Thanks, Glenn. Double N, period. We love you, Glenn. Hey, um, this counts as an email, so. Hey, there you go. Our final email, Mrs. Manson. Praise for Doc and GQ. As if he hasn't had enough. My word. Just a note. To heap some more praise on the one and only Doc Manson. His new lights for our window decorations were a big success. Thanks to his efforts, the house looked fantastic for Halloween and lots of fun was had by all. You would know that if you were, I say, directed to the first 20 minutes of this episode. Thank you, dear. Of course, we gave out the full-size candy bars to the trick-or-treaters because you can't have a wonderfully decorated house and then give out wimpy candy, right? That was exactly my wife's point, too. Oh, yeah, that was the point I started making earlier but went off on a tangent. And my yes. point was, if the house is made up like this, I feel like I have to give out the, yes. the full-size bar. You should be giving out six-packs. Yeah, probably. Speaking of trick-or-treaters, more praise for Doc and GQ for their intro on the Sound Scary Spooktacular. It had me laughing almost uncontrollably. Get help. Lesson learned. Don't play games with Mr. Saw or Mr. Jigsaw, sir. They were on Fear Street. <laughs> Lots of love, Mrs. M. Uh, thank you to Mrs. M and Glenn and Nate and Danielle for your emails. Doc Manson, give me that piece of positivity. What's gotten you through the week? What's good? What's exciting? You know, I've already Besides, spent you know, a little bit of time talking about this. 
Uh, but I'll talk a little bit more about Terrifier 2 because I watched it this last week. Um, so the th- I've already sort of espoused my love for Art the Clown. And I think that's such a weird thing because I feel so passionate about how much I like that character despite not really being thrilled with the movie around it. I've never really encountered that before and I think that's really kind of odd. Um, but nevertheless, I, I, I think that character is very interesting. Um, and so if I talked about the first Terrifier on here before, the thing I might have said about it was that I felt that while a solid slasher, it was also maybe a bit misogynistic. Um, it went out of its way to have protracted amounts of violence against women, in particular, very particularly targeting um, uh, physical parts of women um, and so forth. And that's not entirely gone from the second one. Um, I think I mentioned earlier that that bedroom scene. Um, and for the most part, it avoids all of that. There's just this small segment where the girl's mom comes home. And when she comes home and goes into the bedroom, she finds the daughter. She's propped up on the bed. Art the Clown is still there actively carving her up and eating parts of her leg um, because he is a cannibal also. He does that. Um, And so this is sort of in passing. It's not shown on camera, but I did note in that scene that her breasts had been mutilated. So still not a, a great... Not a great look. I do think this is the this is the piece of positivity. I know, right? but the, here's the piece of positivity, though. Um, I think that the director understood the unfairness of with with which the that was treated in the first film, where the men characters in that film died very quick, painless deaths, and in this film, there is a segment in which this male character um, gets stabbed with a butcher's knife countless times in the crotchal region and in fact has his penis cut off we see it in art's hand and it is smeared on the glass of a window of a car uh to the girlfriend who was inside so equal opportunity in terms of mutilating the the genitals of of individuals in the sequel to this film i think that terrifier 2 is far more progressive of a film than was terrifier 1 as a result, uh, that's kind of a joke, but it's also kind of true, mm-hmm. but mostly a joke. I, I need you to look up what positivity means. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but I do glad, think it's interesting because I think I do think the filmmaker must have heard yes. complaints about the first film yes. and decided, well, I'm going to do an equal treatment here yes. and addressed it in his own way. Um, I think well, that's and, and- interesting. And, well, and as you have said, like if this guy is getting the freedom to make the movies how he would like to, who knows what you're going to get in the third one? Who knows? Um, and I will say the other thing I wanted to talk about in this film, again, you're going to say piece of positivity, especially with, well, we'll get there. Um, so this scene did not really resonate with me initially. <laughs> so it's, it's a, first of all, it's a dream sequence. All right. Okay. The main character falls asleep. She wakes up and she's basically like in this TV show where she's sort of made up to be like a little girl, little a younger character, but she's still her age. Okay. 
And then there's a bunch of people on this set who are older people, but made up to be more like children, right? So they're kind of like these older people, like they're stand-ins for like a Mickey's Clubhouse type thing or whatever, right? And so it's it's the clown cafe, and the special guest is Art the Clown in her dream, and he comes out, and he's got his bag, which is usually full of weapons or whatever, and he's doing a thing, and he goes around and gives everybody a piece of fun food, and it all seems all nice and all well and good. A really weird, protracted sequence in this film. Um but, like, there's clearly something wrong. It's sort of the main character, obviously, coming to terms, like, with being first confronted with art in this dream sequence. It's not a you know, real threat or whatever. But, again, this sequence goes on for a fairly protracted amount of time, maybe 10 minutes. And then, towards the end of it, art, like, reaches into his bag again, and he just pulls out a Tommy gun, and he literally just, like, shoots everybody in the scene. All the filmmakers, all the other people, the main character gets shot, although she survives for the scene to go on. Uh, a little kid gets shot. And like, it was kind of strange to me because it was just a gun. And like, you don't often see gun violence in slasher films and it wasn't particularly gory or over the top the way that his other kills in the film are. So it kind of was just water off a duck's back to me. I didn't really think much of it. But after the film was over, when I was talking about it with Mrs. Manson because she had watched it with me, um, that she found that seemed to be rather disturbing. And it again, it didn't even register with me, especially in this country, like gun violence, especially gun violence of like a, basically a semi-automatic weapon against these children. characters. They're not actually children, but they're representing yeah. children. Like she was like, I could see people walking out of the movie like at that scene, never even mind making it to the bedroom scene. And it just was this moment of like, Oh man, am I? I guess I am that desensitized because, like, it just it didn't like even really register with me as being any worse than any action scene that you would see in an action movie. Um, but yeah, the the implications of it again actually really kind of nasty and awful and terrible, especially given today's society. And again, like for a stupid movie with too much violence that you could argue is misogynistic and which is over the top and distasteful. Like also the writer and director is making some sort of statement here, which again makes me like it more than I would otherwise. Mm -hmm. I still won't say it's a great film. It's not a five-star film or anything, but there are pieces here that are, very, very interesting and which would never be placed in a Hollywood film. It's interesting that that's the dream sequence, right? Like I assume this character has already experienced some of art, the clowns at this point in the film. Not really. Okay. It's more like, like a premonition, you know, it would be interesting to be like, okay, you know, he's done all of this horrible stuff and he's got a butcher's knife or he's doing all of these things. But what she's worrying about is gun violence in a public place. Right. Isn't that which, interesting? Yeah. Which is, you know, there is someone that I work with who's very, uh, who is younger, grew up in all of these times. And like, if there is any sort of any kind of incident anywhere, even remotely near where we are, like I go check on her because she is that forgive me triggered mm -hmm. by this sort of thing yeah so 
So, well, I am glad. I am glad you have movies like that that are thought provoking. Maybe not positive, but a movie that causes you to think that much is a good thing. Agreed. And in terms of pushing a genre forward, I don't know if that counts, but like it's doing something more than the sum of its stupid, stupid parts, which sure. Yeah. Got to give them credit for that. So anyways, DC. Yes. What is your piece of positivity? All right. I want you to get a bowl. All right. Not right now. Oh. I want you to get a mixing bowl. I want you to buy a packet, a box of Jiffy cornbread mix. Okay. The cheap generic stuff. Put that in the bowl. Add about a cup of flour, maybe a quarter cup of flour, some salt. Season it however you wish. Garlic powder, onion powder, chili powder, whatever spices you're looking for. Then I want you to take a can of black beans I want you to take some canned corn, maybe creamed corn. I actually think this recipe might be even better with some creamed corn. Um, Take some shredded cheese, again, flavored to your liking. Mix, 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 mix. And then I did did some uh, sautéed in a pan. I did some in the air fryer. I actually think the air fryer ones came out better. Um, And these are these delicious fritters. Black bean, corn, cheese. Um, Found the recipe yesterday. It was on the New York Times cooking page. Saw a bean fritter. Thought, oh, we could. So highly recommended. Delightful. Delicious. Delovely. Um, And then they recommended a paprika sour cream sort of dipping sauce. You could do whatever sort of dipping sauce you're going for. I think Mrs. Matthews just did some sour cream with some like ranch or some Greek yogurt with some ranch seasoning in it, but quite good. Very nice. Quite good for, you know, we're, we're trying to get out of the rut. There's like the five or six meals you make all the time. Yeah. We're trying to get out of that. And we have lots of beans and corn because we use it for various things. This was something new. I already still have another, some of the batter left. We're going to make another batch probably tomorrow. Quite ick. Uh, So that is it, my friends. Um, I hope you had a wonderful Halloween season. If you're interested at this point, if you're coming in late, if you're interested at this point and would like to know how we celebrated our Halloween, we would like to direct you to the first 20 minutes of this episode. Doc Manson, anything else you'd like to say before we head out into that good night? If you like to revel in some Halloween spookery, go listen to Halloween Spooktacular. I... I haven't looked. I assume you got a huge spike in viewer uh, listeners because I tweeted about it and provided a link. Um, so in the last two days, the Halloween Spooktacular has been downloaded 702 times. Really? Really. There you go. I assume that's mostly bots because Your, Halloween is in the title well, of the show. Um, but no, it was me. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I really I think that show was a lot of fun. I think the. Uh, 14 or so minutes we spend trick-or-treating is stupid, but also so wonderfully us. I had a lot of fun putting that together. So uh, I would recommend checking it out if you would like to see Makes something. me wish we had gotten GQ into improv back in our days. I think he would have been good at it. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely he would have been. 
Um, so yeah, but that, and also if you'd like to have your thoughts read in the air, send us an email podcast at ddtwrestling.com and finally head over to patreon.com forward slash ddtwrestling to give just a little bit of financial support to DC and Doc. It does help us keep the lights on. It keeps this crazy podcast train chugging. He is Doc Manson at Doc Manson. Contact him for all your cardboard cutout needs. My name is DC Matthews at the DC Matthews. Have yourselves a lovely beginning of October until we meet again, my friends. Won't you be our bestie?